This is the Heath in Pursuit podcast with Heath Hollandsby. Each week we'll have a conversation with various folks who are actively engaged in the pursuit of truth. This is a show where anything can be discussed and probably will. A podcast for the seekers, the dreamers, the restless, the hurt and the broken. This is a podcast for you. Welcome to Heath in Pursuit. Welcome to another edition of Heath in Pursuit. I am Heath Hollinsby, and that, my friends, is the voice of James Woolard, who is the announcer for the Seattle Sounders, which is the football-slash-soccer team that I support, and he's a good friend, and I just love that guy. And every time I hear his voice, I'm like, yeah, I'm excited to do this podcast. It's like a little, it's like a little workout before I start talking. And I haven't talking, spoken, talked. I haven't, I have not talked to you in a while. I was just actually looking the other day and saw it's been two months since I have recorded a podcast. And I had a really amazing friend, somebody who I love deeply, reach out and say, hey, you should, um, you should do a podcast on boundaries and family and shame. And I thought, well, I can, and I'm going to. And so that's what I'm doing tonight As I thought, well, I can just write that while I'm sitting down at the pool, and uh, it's it's really impactful because it's been a it's been a pretty significant part of my last couple months, and so this one might feel a little different because it's me just kind of off the cuff, um, just sharing what I've been learning about myself and about life and about spirituality and shame and forgiveness, and my hope is that through it, it might be helpful for some of you folks that might be dealing with or have dealt with the same stuff in the past. So. Uh, first thing I want to do is address where I've been the last couple months. Um, well, you know, I started a business with a buddy of mine who I love so much. His name's Brandon, and he's, man, business is going well. We're having fun, but it's a lot of work. So I've been doing that. I've uh, been spending the summer with my family, um, which has been pretty cool. And uh, they're out of school now, and I work on my own schedule, and so that's been kind of fun. I uh, spent 4th of July on the beach at my mom's house with family lighting off fireworks. And luckily we've all got hands, like both hands still attached. And I think most of us still have our 10 fingers. And so that's kind of cool that that actually worked. And um, we got through it and it's been a blast celebrating the 4th with them. And, uh, and then I was actually just back out on the road with a band that I used to travel with called Gunger. And... Uh, did 10 dates with Mike Gunger and driving around America in a van. And that was so much fun. And uh, I used to tour with them back in the good old days, about a decade ago. And um, he called me up a couple weeks ago and said, hey, I got some, some dates coming up. You want to go? And I said, yes, I do. And so we made it happen. And we were able to visit a lot of really killer cities in just over a week. We drove. Uh, Austin and Dallas and Madison, Wisconsin and Jackson, Michigan and Cleveland, Tennessee, Montgomery, Alabama, Memphis, Tennessee as well. And so new friends who I met out there on the road that are now listening to the show, welcome. And um, I'm glad you're here. So that's where I've been the last couple of months and that's why you haven't heard my voice too much. But I've been doing some really deep soul work, some really deep, uh, hard reflection, inner focused work. Um, Jesus said that the kingdom of God is within you. And I have spent my whole life searching for it, 
outside of me. And so I came to this awareness uh, not too long ago that to find God, you got to go within yourself. And that's a scary place for some of us. Uh, it's a place that has not been afforded permission to many of us. It's been a place of neglect for a lot of us. Um, for those of us who have worked in the church, the focus of self-care and taking care of yourself and setting boundaries that you're good with was not something that was really encouraged because it was actually the antithesis of what was encouraged because you're supposed to pour your life out for everyone else, right? Uh, serve others and then take care of yourself. And there's a lot of a lot of people in ministry that have burned out and resent the church because of that. And so I said, I don't want to be one of those. I want to, I want to, uh, I want to do some of the deep work that's necessary. And a lot of that came from growing up in a lot of shame and unforgiveness. Um, not necessarily unforgiveness from others towards me, but unforgiveness of me towards myself. And a lot of shame. Uh, you know, shame's one of those wicked trees that plants its roots from a young age. And it just, it kind of sits there and it just deepens and deepens. And these roots go deeper and deeper around your heart and into your soul. And if you don't catch it, like I haven't, then when you start to like kind of work on it, you find out that this is a monster inside of you. And it's a lot deeper, more complex and it's just so much larger than I ever would have understood. And so um, the last, I would say about four weeks ago, I'm going to tell you what I did and how helpful it was. And I'm going to tell you some practices of, of what I'm learning. And then I'm going to let you sit with it and see if there's something there that is worth sticking around with for you. So um, so I was, I've been dealing with a lot of real deep shame and lacking self-forgiveness, lacking forgiveness of myself. And um, I never thought I could give myself permission to forgive myself. And so this was just one of those things that I put up with. But it got to a place where I just felt like it's going to kill me if I can't figure out how to deal with this. Um, shame runs deep. Now, Brene Brown says that the difference between guilt and shame is guilt is uh, I'm an amazing person who made a stupid mistake. And shame voices itself as you're a stupid person who made a stupid mistake or because of your mistake, you're a stupid person. And um, I've never been able to differentiate the two. I just kind of walked around as this like pile of shame thinking that, man, if I made a mistake, then I'm an awful person rather than, no, you're a decent guy who just kind of had a weird day or like kind of screwed up here or overcrossed a boundary here, whatever it might be. So in my last-ditch effort to figure out how to deal with some of this stuff. I was confronted with this idea of me sitting in darkness and silence and just reflecting, like almost like a, like a dream catcher. And I just let the shame and the, the things that usually knock me down hit me full force this day. And I had a pen and a piece of paper, and I started writing down every single instance I could think of from, from the time I was a child to to last night. I mean, I went everything, all of those loops that are cycling in my head about how terrible of a human I am and how nobody likes me and nobody cares about me and why would they? And I thought, I'm going to start confronting these. And so I made a list and, uh, and there's about 150 instances of things that 
that that probably cross my mind some of them many times a day all of them at least once a day i mean that's how plagued i am with this issue uh and so i sat down and i wrote out a couple words of each instance as they came to me and just enough that i knew I, if i revisited it it would be like oh yeah that's the one you know if, if i wrote like i don't know uh you know through champagne on guy i would go like oh yeah that was a situation so i had these 150 out and I, I made the list and I started to try to forgive myself, but I wanted to sit with the tension of the situation and I wanted to know why it affected me so deeply. And so I did the dark work of, of being in that situation, forcing myself to like re-encounter whatever the shameful or lack of self-forgiveness uh, thing was going on. And I just felt it like full blunt force against me. And and at the end of that, with each one of those, uh, I wanted to forgive myself. So I started at the top of the list, and I started working down the list. And there were some that were too heavy to, to just kind of work with. So I started going for, like, ones that were, like, you know, didn't have as much of a sting. And, uh, and so when I came across a situation, I would confront the situation and I'd sit in the situation and try to feel what I was feeling, try to remember what words were spoken, like trying to figure out what those triggers were in that specific situation. And then I tried to disarm it or dismantle those triggers or the sting of that. And at the end, I said this little Hawaiian prayer that somebody suggested, I say, it's a, it's a prayer of self-forgiveness. And then I moved on and I went through that list over and over and over. And, you know, the next time I went through it, another one, I'd feel more comfortable, like, okay, I'm ready for this one now, or this one's not ready to be done yet. Like I'm not at the place where I can handle this yet. And so I come back to it and I punch through all of those situations. And let me tell you, I learned a lot about myself. One of them was that almost all of the ones of 21 and older were related to alcohol. And that was shocking to me. Um, and so I made the decision then and there Alcohol serves no purpose to me beneficial. In fact, it just creates this wake of destruction that I just beat myself up over for the rest of my life. And so um, so I've made a commitment to stop drinking. I don't need it. I'm done with it. I can justify like, oh, it just makes it more fun in social situations or whatever. It just, it's, it's a poison. And it's poisoning my mind and my heart and my soul and my feelings towards myself. And it's, a, it's yeah, so I'm done. Now, if if you see me, with alcohol man call me out or say like yo like i mean uh, at that point uh, my old christian friends would say like oh he's backslidden so i'm i fully prepare like i probably will have some days where i go back to this but i um i like myself more without alcohol and it's been over a month now and i'm feeling great and i can tell every day i'm getting happier with who i am because alcohol and its you know, chemical structure is actually a depressant. So though in the in the situation you feel like it's making things easier, over time it's just creating deeper, darker patterns of depression, and and it's inescapable. And so I learned that that I don't need to be drinking at all because when I do, I get stupid. And that was a sobering reality until my wife that like, hey, just know this, like I'm done. So if you see me drinking out on the road or if you see me in my house and somebody offers me a beer and I say, sure, smack that thing out of my hands and 
dump it on the concrete and uh, and tell me that you listen to the podcast and I'll probably be less pissed off. Uh, <laughs> at least for a few minutes and I'll probably laugh about it. And I would encourage you, what I've learned through this process is, um, well, there's a lot and I'll, and I'll get to some of those, those learning things. But if you've never done something like that where you just sit with yourself and you sit with the darkness of who you are or who you think you are or who you think people think you are and you confront it now it's disarmed itself. And so if that shame hits me, I'm like, oh, you know what? I actually dealt with that last month. Like, I'm fine. Like, I've worked through it. I'm good. Now, and I, I want to be very clear. I'm not like suppressing it or downplaying it or like pretending like, oh, he's healed. Like, it's like if you have cancer, like, I don't have cancer. Power of positive thinking. It's going to go away. No, I, I, I do not believe that at all. Um, but I do feel that that having cut alcohol and and really sitting with the darkest parts of me though it was an awful dark night it has led to a foundation that is really fertile soil for beauty to grow and i would encourage you to to do the hard things to wrestle wrestle through the night uh-huh. and i think you'd see some positive things happen if that's something you deal with if it's not something you deal with like don't beat yourself up. Like, don't be like, well, I listen to this podcast and I'm pretty happy and I don't really have those issues. So I'm just going to sit and make myself miserable. But maybe you're at a place of desperation like me and this is helpful to you. And so, yeah, there's that. Now, since then, I feel like my life is on a much happier trajectory. Um, so there's this concept of being here now, uh, a guy named Ram Das, who I'm like starting to love more and more and more. Uh, and I'm actually going to read a little bit of one of his books here in a few minutes, but, um, he's really talking about this, this presence of practicing being in the here and now. Okay. And the here and now is, is the only thing that we're guaranteed Regardless of what your belief system is, regardless of what you do for work or your socioeconomic status or your um, political beliefs or sexual orientation, whatever that is, the only thing that we're guaranteed is right now. And when we spend too much time staring into the future, we get anxious. And we spend too much time staring in the past, we start getting re- regrets and I should have done this or I, I wish I would have done this. And that's not helpful. And so Rom's premise in this in this be here now concept is take time as much as you can and interrupt your daily routine to to recognize what this moment is. So for me right now, it's 9:43 p.m. on Thursday, July 7th, and I am in my bedroom recording this podcast. Uh, I got this little studio area in the room. It's really cool. And the lights are off. And I can hear the neighbor clanking around in his yard next door, and you might be hearing that too. And I hear the kids as they're going to bed. I think the dishwasher's on. That's what I'm hearing. I've got headphones on. And I'm, man, I'm in this moment. There's a little bit of buzz in the mic line that I hate. Hear that? If you don't hear that, turn up your radio a bit or turn up your phone a bit. You'll hear it. Uh, so I got to fix that, but I'm not going to think about that right now. It's actually kind of funny that, yeah, 
the little things that irritate me. I am dust and I am water and I have some electrical current blasting blood through my body, hydrating uh, my organs and my muscles and my tissue. And I'm powered by the glow of stars. And yet I've got these feelings and I'm sitting in this chair talking into some metal contraption that allows me to put it onto a metal box called a computer and upload this to a world that gets to listen to it while they and you being stardust people. I mean, is this not crazy? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at this studio setup that I've got and I've got all these beautiful colored like colored lights and I'm drinking water out of a metal can that a hydro flask that somebody invented and I'm at peace because it's nighttime and the animals are coming out and the and some animals are going to bed and others are just waking up and yeah be in the here and the now silence yourself put the phone down close your eyes what are you hearing what are the sounds that you've never noticed before what are the what are the smells that you're noticing what's what's the texture of that which you're sitting on or the clothing against your skin What's it that makes you smile right now? Is it the warmth of the sun on your skin? If you're in a cooler climate, is it the cold breeze? Is it snow falling? I mean, this is what we've got. Don't miss it. And that's affected a lot of my life, uh, right? Like, I mean, today I was taking a shower and I hear a door slam. And usually I would be like, okay, when I get out, I'm going to scream at whoever just did that. And... I'm taking the shower and I instantly feel that impulse, but I've also also practicing like being here. I'm like sitting in the shower going, why is this shower so refreshing? I'm, I'm mostly water. It's like, a, it's like a family reunion. I'm in a shower as somebody who's mostly water and I'm just enjoying like the sensation of water hitting my skin and hitting my head and plugging my ears and hearing like, it sounds like rain on a roof. Like it's so bizarre. Oh, God, but it's the best and it's the only thing we're guaranteed and that moment passes and it will never, ever, ever be back. And so this door slams and I instantly feel that tinge to like, okay, whose butt do I need to kick when I get out of here? Because I'm going to figure out who slammed that door and why they slammed it. And instantly I was like, no, I'm in the moment. The moment's passed. Nothing's broke. There's no kids screaming. Like, I'm not going to go hash this thing out like <laughs> later with them and try to figure out what happened. Like, like detective Holmes, like, no, just enjoy it. And so my life's become so much more lighthearted since I've practiced this. It's, I'm going to tell you, uh, yesterday I was with my buddy, Nate Jackson. He's a, he's a comedian here in Tacoma and we're just moving some boxes around and the, his comedy club hadn't opened for the night. And I'm just sitting there moving boxes and I'm like, okay, I'm, what a perfect time to be intentional with this moment. And I just start like hysterically laughing because the irony of what this is that we're moving boxes of old chopped down trees that have gone through some process to make cardboard and somebody put a label on it that they think looks good. What, what does this all mean? Who knows? Like, why don't we just enjoy the experience? Enjoy what is going on. Uh, and so I found that practice to be really helpful. 
um, it's almost like when you're snowboarding or, or you know, if you're a skier, uh, it, and you get off, you get up to the mountain and you, you get off the, I don't know, what's that ramp thingy, the ski lift? Uh, I don't do it much because I hate getting off that ski lift because I fall every time. It's embarrassing. Uh, and I'm not good enough to like spend the money to get better at it. So like, I just kind of count up my loss. So I don't do it much, but this analogy works. You're on the top of this mountain and there's groove lines in the in the powder of where snowboarders have gone down before you. And the more they go down those, the more these patterns set. And in fact, if you slowly get into cross one of those, you kind of get sucked into it because the groove mark's already there and you just kind of ride that same path down. But when a fresh snow comes, those patterns go away. And it's like you get to rewrite the path. And that's kind of how I see this this work that I've been doing recently is this, we have these mindsets we get into. We have these ways of thinking about ourselves, ways of viewing ourselves, ways of viewing past situations and letting it replay in our head. And they develop these groove marks that are really hard to escape. And so this practicing presence to me has been like the snowfall that says, hang on, let's wipe this slate clean and set some new paths. And uh, I just think that's really beautiful. And so it's kind of like carving out paths and that fresh snow gives you new options. And so why wouldn't we take the time to get through it and, and work on ourselves to be able to escape some of these old mental patterns that we get stuck into? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's rewriting the narrative. Uh, and I was doing that on the road this last couple of weeks. We had a lot of driving. We went, I mean, we went, we went crazy on how much driving we were doing. Uh, and there was one point where hear the neighbors next door that's what i'm talking about like i could get mad but i don't even know what that is it's cool <laughs> um i'm gonna let it keep happening uh so there's a, there, so we're on this drive and i'm starting to feel really down i'm away from my family the shame is like hitting me really hard uh, my buddy mike is next to me sleeping in the car so it's just me in the open road and i start getting really hard on myself of the kind of you should have done this or man, you should have known better or you should have made a different decision. Uh, just about a, like a, a multitude of different things. And I typically let that play out until something distracted me. And then I'd go back to that thought and it was really hard to escape. But I sat there and I was like, no, hang on, let's reassess the situation. And I started thinking, no, man, Heath, you are liked and you're loved and there's a family at home that misses you right now. And there's people that are listening to the music that are so excited that you made the long trek. And there's, you're in a car with a guy who cares deeply about you. In fact, he called you to come back on the road with him. Like, and so I just started trying to reroute the way my mind would play some of these things, some of these old paths that I would usually trek of like being so hard on myself and going, live in the moment. I'm on the road making a living being on the road, which is so many people's dream jobs, and I'm sitting in this car, and life's so good, and I'm with people that love me, and I've got people at home that love me, and I'm not saying that to boast. I'm just saying that to say that sometimes you need to give yourself permission to be kind to yourself, to love yourself, to say nice things about yourself, not just internally either. Say them out loud. I'm loved. People care about me. You know, one one thing that happens to me quite a bit is every time I walk into a room, I don't share this with a ton of people, but 
As long as I can remember, regardless of what room I walk into, I have this overwhelming sense that nobody wants me there. They're using me. They need something from me. They're just like putting on a fake smile so they could get what they want out of me. I don't, I don't know where that comes from. Obviously, I still got some work to do. But, and it's weird because like, even if like I'm at a party and I go like from the kitchen to the living room and then back to the kitchen, I feel that return. It's not like, oh yeah, once you've entered that room, it's over. It's like, no, every time you walk back into the room, you feel it too. I mean, it's, it's really, really difficult. Um, but being able to say out loud to be kind to yourself, you're liked, man. People want you here. They wouldn't have invited you to the party if they didn't want you. They want to have fun with you. They think you're funny. They laugh. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself permission to be kind to yourself. Um, and the more that you're kind to yourself, I think the more you'll find out that you like yourself because I'm learning that the more that I, the more that I'm nice to myself the more that I find out that I really, really like who I am. And I'm sure that'd be the case for you as well. Uh, short podcast here, because I don't really have like mind-blowing stuff. I haven't done a ton of research. This was just a thought I had that was suggested maybe an hour ago, two hours ago. And I thought, let me put some pen to this and get another show out. I want to read you a little quote. Uh, it's actually a page or two from a book by Ram Das, And if you're looking for it, it's R-A-M, and his last name is D-A-S-S. And this book is called Polishing the Mirror, How to Live from Your Spiritual Heart, which I highly, highly recommend. Um, and I'm going to read you this little practice that he had that I thought was really helpful. And it's about enlightenment and, and trying to pursue purification. And so I'm just going to read this, and uh, and hopefully this is something that's encouraging to you, if not and you thought this podcast sucked, then that's fine. We'll do another one soon. Hopefully you'll like that one, but if not, that's all right. Okay, here we go. So, uh, it starts on page seven if you're wondering where to find this. Purification is an act of letting go that is done out of discriminative awareness. That is, that you understand that you are a soul passing through a life in which the entire drama is a script for your awakening and that you are more than just the drama. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. Your life experience is a vehicle for coming to God, for becoming conscious, for becoming liberated. Ultimately, that's what you are doing here. And this awareness helps you discriminate between thoughts and feelings and actions that bring you closer to God, to your own freedom, and those that take you away from it. Instead of filling your mind with the daily news, fill it with stuff that helps you become more conscious, that liberates you. Yeah, guys, I'm breaking the... the the text here, turn off the 24-hour news networks. It's not good for your brain. Back to reading. As you become more aware of what gets you to God and what doesn't, you'll naturally let go of what doesn't because that's purification. You do it to get to God, not for the sake of being pure. So how do you become conscious of all these unconscious influences? Well, you go within your spiritual heart. Your, I don't even know how to say this word, hiridiam and watch the drama that is your entire life. When you quiet your mind enough to transcend your ego, you can begin to hear how it all is. Then you will watch with unbearable compassion for yourself and all beings. Watching involves what you may call the witness conscious, which comes from your soul plane. It's another way of polishing the mirror to connect your thinking mind with your spiritual heart. You observe your behavior, 
You observe your thoughts, enhancing your ability to live fully in the moment, to be here now. Then, when you are with a candle flame, you are the candle flame and the watcher. When there is a task to do, you are the task and the observer of the task. It's not that you do it, it's how you do it. Where you are coming from as you act. And the witness doesn't evaluate. It doesn't judge your actions. It merely makes note of them. It's a subtle thing. The watcher watching himself or herself watching. It's actually two planes of consciousness simultaneously, the witness and the ego. The witness is connected to the soul plane. At first, you may be distracted and remember to witness only now and then. Later, you'll notice that although you still fall asleep and lose the witness, you start to remember to witness again sooner and just notice you don't have to change anything. Eventually, things will change naturally. After some practice, it gets more subtle, and throughout the day, you remain centered in the witness watching life's drama unfold. The witness is always here and now. It resides in each instant of living. You ask yourself, how do I use every moment to get here? The answer is not really heavy or tight, like I've got to be careful or I might make a mistake mistake. Relax, be light, dance through it all, trusting and quieting and flowing. Your witness lives in the flow of your love and the quietness of your mind. Women in Indian villages talk and gossip as they walk back from the well, but they never forget the jugs of water on their heads. The jug of water is what your journey is all about. So do what you do in your life, but don't forget the jug of water. Don't forget what it's all about. The illusion keeps pulling you back into forgetting Lost in your melodrama, you keep forgetting into it. Sometimes you spill the water, but you'll keep forgetting and remembering and forgetting and remembering. And every now and then you remember. So keep your eye on the mark. And that's my hope for y'all listening is, you know, this might not be for everybody, but if you're a person who has been brutally hard on themselves for too long, yeah, Practice the presence of being here now. It will change your life. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Heath in Pursuit podcast. We look forward to being back with you next week. For more information on the various works of Heath Hollandsby, please visit heathinpursuit.com.